der Triathlon Show 417. Up everybody and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and on today's episode I interview Dan Lorang. Dan is the head of performance at uh, the World Tour cycling team Boda Hansgrohe and he's the coach of uh, several world-class triathletes including Lucy Charles Barclay, uh, Anne Haug, Frederick Funk and until his recent retirement Jan Frodeno. In this interview, we spend uh, quite some time discussing Lucy Charles Barclay's preparation into her win in Kona. And uh, we also go into a few other interesting bits and pieces uh, related to, for example, uh, performing at uh, at a higher age, like uh, Anne Haug and Jan Frodeno and some, some other interesting things. Uh, I would also say that if you haven't heard my previous interview with uh, Dan, then I would highly recommend that you go back and listen to it after this episode. Because in that first interview, we go into a number of training and performance related topics from a more general perspective so that is really an interesting episode to listen to for any athlete and coach i think uh, that interview was in episode 175 so you can find it at scientifictriathlon.com forward slash tts175 but before we get into this interview big thanks to our sponsors precision fuel and hydration they are running a special black friday promotion where you can get 20 percent off their entire range of products between thanksgiving thursday the 23rd of november and cyber monday the 27th of november there is no code required the discounts are automatically applied store wide during this time period so uh, make sure to make the most out of this uh, you can also get a free gift when you spend over 149.99 dollars or 124.99 euros uh, so again check them out on precisionfuelandhydration.com and thank you to Senate. the Senate indoor swim trainer allows you to improve your technique power and swim training consistency even when you're short on time it's a great tool for busy athletes because you can do a quality workout in just 15 minutes at home even on days when you don't have time to get to the pool and it is a perfect complement to pool and open water swimming as it allows you to focus specifically on key aspects of your swimming like your catch and your power and isolate them more easily than you can in the water you could try the Senate risk-free for up to 30 days, so if you don't love it, just send it back, and you can get 20% off your first order on senatesuntrain.com forward slash TTS. Now, without any further ado, here's the interview with Dan Lorang. Welcome back to That Triathlon Show, Dan. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me here. Uh, it's a, a great pleasure. Can you start by, for those who might not be familiar with you, uh, give a brief introduction to, to who you are? Yeah, I'm Dan Rang, so from uh, originally from Luxembourg, living a long time already in Germany and um, yeah, making sports science studies, uh, working in triathlon quite for now nearly uh, nearly 20 years, I would say. Um, at the moment, my main role is the head of performance in Bora Hans Pro cycling team. And beside that, I still coaching some uh, triathletes like, um, yeah, like Lucy Charles Barkley, Annie Hawk, or uh, until uh, the... Uh, September, Jan Frodeno, for example. Yeah, uh, and uh, I will link for those listeners that are a bit newer. Uh, you have been on the podcast before talking about a lot of the things that how you think about triathlon training. So I'll link to that in the show notes so people can go and listen to that as well. Um, we have a few uh, different topics for today. And, and the first one is pretty obvious, uh, talking about Lucy Charles Barkley and her win in the Ironman World Championships. Uh, maybe if you start with a bit of an overview, can you 
describe Lucy's progression since uh, you started working together? Are there some certain aspects of her performance that you've focused on more? And are there some key factors that you can point to that helped her take the step from second place finishes several times to finally winning Ironman Kona? Um, so I think we, we should start there at the beginning. So we started to work together uh, nearly three years ago, um, uh, two and a half to three years ago. And uh, basically I approached um, herself and, and Reese, so her husband and also her coach at that time, um, because it was for me interesting to see how does um, somebody goes from long distance to short distance? Because that is something what they um, uh, what they made public to say, okay, let's try to make the qualification for the Olympics. Uh, but coming from long distance and having already really great results on, on the long distance in second places in Kona, uh, wins in uh, Challenge Ross. So there were already some big uh, performances out there. And um, yeah, during the talk, we uh, I got the offer to yeah to join that team and. That was for me quite an interesting uh, situation. And um, so it was already an athlete at a, at a high level. And it seems that they made a lot of things right. And then we, we look into it and I said, okay, um, we will a little bit uh, share shared roles and um, I will make some kind of master plan and still having resources as coach on the, on the daily base with Lucy. And then we will try to make, um, to bring Lucy on the next step. And um, that does not mean that we said we have one particular thing, what we want to do better. For sure, her swim was already really strong. She had a good bike. She had a good run. But um, my approach in general with triathletes is always to raise the bar in, in all three disciplines, so to make a fitter, fitter athlete. And that's also what we did uh, with, uh, with Lucy. And uh, um, yeah, already in the first year, we had quite an amazing performance at some races at the v- uh, WTS races, but also then the 70.3 race in um, uh, in Utah, where she won the world chi- uh, the first world title with a quite amazing performance. And um, what we saw there was just a, an amazing race from the beginning until the end. So a good, a really good swim, a really good bike, and an and extraordinary run. And I think this showed what we what we did. So try to elevate her as an athlete. But we also have to be honest, we got some setbacks on um, after. So some really, really major injury uh, on the hip the, the year after. And um, so also there we, we, we saw, okay, fitness dropping again, but then trying to bring her back, being ca- um, cautious and, and having the same strategy again. So for sure, we couldn't do so much in the run. So that's why you have to invest in the swim. You have to invest on the bike before you go back to a run. And, um, but the, the overall approach is always, and that's, I think, to answer your question is to, to make the next step as an athlete in all the three disciplines. And, um, that's what, what we tried and uh, what we did over the last uh, three years now. Mm. So more evolution rather than revolution, just continuing to, to do good work in all three disciplines. Exactly. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's really a good summary of it because um, revolution means okay, doing something completely different. For sure, if you introduce a new training system, um, it's a little bit of a revolution. But like I said, they have been successful already in the past, and um, uh, and they had some concepts behind it. We, it's not that we just adapt that concept. It's for sure I brought the philosophy what I what I have what I think uh, could work. And then we adapted to Lucy's situation, to her metabolic profile, to 
her mentality, how to approach training, to approach racing. And um, that's how we how we went. Yeah. Mm. Could, could you give uh, one or two examples where there's some things in uh, the training that you prescribed that were quite new to her that she wasn't used to or some some changes that you made even though they might not have been massive changes but yeah things things that were a bit different than before mm. uh, probably i think one change was this um, consistency so um really doing some work every day um i think it is um so she was used to um to do good training, a lot of training, also having big days. So that it was something what she liked to do, also hard days. But to keep that consistency over a long period, I think that it was something what uh, where I put more and and well, what I emphasized them for more. So where I put more value in that we need this consistency also on days where probably she is tired just to go on and um, to move through these days. I would say that was uh, something um, if you want to say new. And also these long, easy training rides. Um, for sure, she can train hard. She can. She loves interval training. Um, so having a swimming background, it's what you are doing. So in swimming, you are you are used to train hard. You are used to do intervals, but you are not used to be five hours uh, on the bike and just go for an easy ride. So I think this is also something what she also did. But um, I think I was able to also show to them that it's really important to do it and also important to keep intensity uh, low at certain of these ways and not always try to push uh, new boundaries in every ride what you are doing so i think think this could be two two key factors what we um what we change or what we introduced yeah no that's uh good examples uh, and about the fact that she loves interval training and and uh is not afraid of of pushing it really hard this is something that uh in in her youtube videos it, it seems quite clear that yeah she she really she really loves that and it, and it seems of course youtube can sometimes be a bit misleading it's easy to show the the hardest days and and it can maybe not give a complete picture of the overall program but but it, it seems like almost a bit different than what a lot of athletes recently ha- are talking about that they are all about in- intensity control and uh, never pushing too deep but with lucy it seems like she she she's not afraid of like going as hard as she can in a workout that's at least the impression that i get from just from the videos not from anything else so so can you elaborate a bit on this like does she go really hard in certain interval workouts and and how often does does that happen is it specific blocks or is it more uh, consistent throughout the year that the there are fairly regular interval workouts where she pushes really hard Mm. no i would say um that um Okay, I don't know no every YouTube video from her, but I uh, I know some of them, and um, that's, I think they reflect quite well also that mentality. So really to to fight and to work hard for it, and to um, like I said, this swimming mentality. So this um, it needs to be hard that it also has an effect, um, and that's why for sure there are these hard sessions. Um, there are these sessions where she goes really deep, but. Um, we also have the other one and that is my job. So you cannot change a personality and also it's not good and it's never my goal to change personality, but I try to use that personality, but just to focus it more on the session where we need it and on the other way also to make a compensation of with other sessions so that you can balance with this. So like like having this kind of wild horse, um, it's not good to change a wild horse in a, in a horse what... Uh, just goes uh, looks a little bit around and just doing easy uh, 
easy rights? No, for sure not. So you use it, but you have also to emphasize for, for how important it is to keep the right balance and also having these sessions with intensity control, uh, where, for example, also then having the coach on place with Reese who can do that intensity control with, with lactate or with heart rate, with watts, so that we can really take control of what we are doing. So I try to use this kind of um, personality for our goals and um, also always depending which kind of race is in front of us, if it is now a 70.3 or a long-distance triathlon, um, we, we adapt it to it. And, um, but it, it's not that you should completely, after every session, getting crazy and say, yeah, it was again too hard. No, it's, I try to deal with it and try to, to keep that uh, wild horse calm as long as it's needed but also to let it go when there is today to do it and um, you, you ask about the amount an amount of sessions that is so different so it really depends on the period where you are um, and also sometimes you're doing it for the mental uh, mental side so sometimes you know okay that's what the athlete needs now so getting some con confirmation in training getting some confirmation for example And that was in a YouTube video when she did this attempt to to um, to um, to reach a new personal be a Strava segment on Lanzarote. That was something what she had in her head, and she told me this already before the camp. And then I knew, okay, there is not so much. There's not a big way around this. So I think this can give us something if she reach it, if she's really able to to get a new personal best here. And that's why I made it part of the plan, of the whole plan, but adapted also other sessions so that it's not an overload in any kind of direction. Mm, yeah, no, that makes total sense. Uh, and uh, about her win in Kona, can we discuss the training leading into that? So um, let's say the final big block, uh, she has talked about doing that at home until she they went out to Kona, her and Reese. But yeah, what did the last training block look like leading into Kona? Yeah, so um, the last uh, training block, um, so she was at home uh, in the UK and um, that was uh, a combination of having already been a long time away. So doing a lot of training camps before outside uh, home and um, also to try to do something new. So really preparing Kona at home. And um, if you are doing this, I think you have to make, you have to make sure, okay, what do you need in Kona? So you need to have some kind of, heat adaptation so to make it easier when you come to Kona to be adapted uh, and you need for sure um, a lot of work in that period to that has to be done because um, my training philosophy is you need consistency and you also need a lot of work to be uh, at the really highest level so I'm not a coach who say okay you can get with with 20 hours to the world title probably it's possible I don't know but uh, I have their different philosophy and um That's what we discussed before and saying, okay, let's try to do it. And if not, if we see it's not possible, then we have to make plan B and probably fly again to Lanzarote and somewhere else and finishing the block there. But um, she went uh, she went there really deep and it was not deep in one session, but six weeks doing nearly all the sessions indoor, um, having some heat adaptation with yeah all this indoor training with sauna, with warm baths, bus applications after training so there was really a system behind it how we build it up over these weeks intensity control for sure was was really important when you when you have a six-week block and also mentally that was quite a, a tough one um 
and also waking up early because it's not like in 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 your hotel where you just can jump in the pool no you have to drive to the pool you need to uh, respect the opening hours so also dealing with this kind of things was um, something what we have to take care of but it worked good um, but it, i would also say it was really on the limit and so it was a combination of a lot of work heat adaptation heat training so one thing is heat adaptation the other thing was also you're getting physiology adaptations from that heat training and then coming into kona and also being mentally ready that you said okay i have not been there four or five weeks before but i'm coming there quite close to the race and having the confidence that this will work i think is also an important point because if you always have in mind oh this can be critical um i think then you can also not really focusing on it but for her and I, I really tell it's it was the it was first of all her idea to do it like that it was not that i said okay let's do the the kona preparation in uk now for sure that was not my idea um but she came up with it um then i talked with reese and then also about the positive things having family around um yeah being at home after a long time being away so all these factors and that's what i said as a coach you then have to say, okay, I accept these conditions, but there's a big but, but we need this four, five, six points happening. If not, we have to go to plan B. And that's what we did. And yeah, she put an amazing work in there and a big respect for that. And she then got also the, or got then also the, the reward for it, I would say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, when you say that... It- you don't believe that it's possible to win the world championships with 20 hours so clearly lucy trained uh, quite quite a bit more than that how how much would you would you say that she trained per week in that block um i think it's there yeah, you can listen to <laughs> to her youtube videos or whatever but um i say it's not 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 an uh, an, an a big surprise we were always around uh, let's say 30 hours something like that and probably sometimes more, sometimes less, depending on how much work there was. But I think this is, is an, an, uh, a number quite common also when we look into what other other athletes are doing. Um, and it's not only the volume, but it's also the, the quality. So if you're doing, I don't know, if you're doing a five-hour ride indoor, it's something different than doing a five-hour ride outdoor. I think we all agree on that. Uh, for sure, you can also make it quite a little bit the same when you're just looking at the watts and you have the roads for doing this. Um, but what happens here mentally and physically, it's it's different. And it's also something what you get, have to adapt to your athlete. So don't get me wrong. I'm also not the coach who say you have now to train all your rides and your runs indoor. No, we have to see what personality do we have? What are the circumstances? What can we also, um, which kind of load we can give to that level mentally and physically and then making the plan for it. So I think this is when it comes to coaching, because you cannot just copy paste the plan from Lucy and now letting doing in and then telling another athlete, that's how you have to do it. No, probably for another athlete, there's another way to get world champion. So I think that is really important that, that um, we, we still have to consider that we are dealing with human beings and that they are in different positions from the personality, from the environment, from the physiology, and then try to figure out what is the best plan together with the, uh, with the team. Team, I mean, probably another coach, the physiotherapist, um, uh, probably um, if there's a sponsor involved, for example, in bike fitting and so on. So with all the parties in that team and try to figure out what is the best, best master plan to make it happen. 
Mm, yeah. And uh, can you give uh, an example of a, a swim workout, a bike workout and a run workout that you would say maybe that was repeated several times in that block, maybe with some progression, but something that was basically a key workout for Lucy in each of the three disciplines in that training block to Kona? Um, it's hard to say because it's not, um, I think you know it already from my last podcast, uh, also with you, there is no key workout for for me uh, that we are doing. Um, it's um, it's more like, what do we need at that specific moment? Um, I'm now thinking about what could we mention here. Um, yeah, I think in, in, in both, no, in both, in all the three disciplines, for sure, we are, when we come to races, uh, we are doing um, race specific race uh, pace um, sessions. I don't know on 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 the one when we're doing uh, three to five time uh, three to four time five k runs in race pace, or in the swim when we are working with eight hundreds or one k intervals so just in race pace. Uh, uh, the same for the bike. If you are doing, I don't know, three times, four times, thirty minutes race pace, a one hour race pace. So this race pace workout, I would say, this is something what what comes when we come close to to the races. But all the others, it really depends on how the body reacts on uh, on the stimulus what we are giving. So, for sure, we said, okay, let's start the training and let's um, let's try to build up VO two max. And then there are, I don't know how how fifty or hundred ways how you can build up VO two max. So, which kind of session you can do from forty, twenty, thirty, thirties up to doing long intervals on the VO two max. The same for strength endurance. The same for um, um, if you're working on, um, on, on threshold workouts, if you're working on endurance strengths, what I see a little bit different than strength endurance. So, um, but what I see is that athletes reply a little bit different on this, on the same set, on the, on the same, um, on the same protocols. And that's why you have to adapt it. So for some of them, you are using more the, the shorter view to make stuff. For the others, you're using more the longer intervals, and that depends on the metabolic profile and also depends on what reaction do we get from the body. And also sometimes you you even make longer intervals to prevent that the athlete is going too high in intensity because if I have an athlete who really likes to push herself and if you're doing short intervals, then you just even motivates them to go really, really hard because if it's just a 40 seconds interval, for sure they will go really hard over 40 seconds. But if the interval is four minutes, then at least they have to manage better their effort. So also this kind of things have an influence on the intervals what you are giving. I know it's probably not the answer you want to hear, but I think you gave it you gave it with the race specific workouts because that's what I assume that no matter what the what the other workouts uh, that you are doing are, then when you're really going into the Ironman World Championships, you're always going to do some race specificity. So that that, that does give a a good answer. And and, and again, I would reference here. You know, you get your reference to workouts what you did in the past. You know, probably before the first, last competition, and you get a reference. Where is the heart rate? Where are the watts? compared to the outside conditions where where do we stand at that moment i think this is our also workouts where you get an an answer and also you can create here a lot of confidence by just seeing oh i'm better than i have been before the other competition but and that's also a big but you can also create uh, some kind of unsureness so it could be that probably your heart rate is higher with the same amount of watts at that specific day and probably it's not because your fitness is not where it should be but probably 
I don't know. Um, you uh, you have just not not that day. Probably the temperature is different. The air hum humidity is different. Probably um, you are at a different day of your circle. Um, so there are a lot of influence factors, and that is always where you have to to see what are you really doing because. I'm a fan that you are doing sessions that you can compare. So I'm really a fan. But on the other side, you also have to be careful when you are doing these sessions that there could be different outcomes. And then um, it also comes to psychology. So say, okay, do we really need this now? Uh, just the day before the, co or not the day, um, probably five days or seven days before the competition. Or should we just let it go and um take the self-confidence what we had from the session the day before and going with that one this is also something tricky sometimes to decide yeah yeah um about the indoor training aspect so uh, of course the bike is pretty easy to understand that uh yeah maybe the there's too much traffic in the uk and not great weather conditions when we get into that time of the year what about the run what was the reason for doing a lot of run training indoors was it to keep working on some kind of heat training or was it more just being really controlled and being yeah what, what was the reason for running indoors so much mm -hmm. um i i think the, the main points would have been really one thing that the heat um so to get used to um to you uh, to to train in the heat uh, or to come or to perform in the heat then the consistency in intensity control that you can really really good control the, the intensity I don't know, for example, if you are doing eight minutes, 10 minutes hill reps, for example, you can really good control it on the treadmill. So you can control the, the speed, you can control the the angle of the of the treadmill, you can measure lactate pretty easy and just say, oh, okay, we are 0 0.2 uh, too high or too low, and we can just increase now the speed or we can increase the, the gradient depending on what we want. So it's easier to... Um, so you don't have to care about too much. Basically, you just have then to run what the treadmill gives you. And um, so for this kind of session, I think it's it's um, if you if you understand mentally the reason behind it, I think it's easier to do it on the treadmill. Easier in terms of getting the right metabolic load for what you. So you have a with every training session you have a specific target, and if you're doing this on the treadmill, it's easier to achieve that metabolic uh, goal. That's how I would see it. If you're doing it outside, for sure, you have other things. You have other benefits because what I now um, say is an advantage to have this consistency in intensity could also be a disadvantage. You probably are not so adaptable to to changes. And if you are outside and if you have to do something outside, you have to adapt to the outside conditions. Probably you have to run some corners. Uh, uh, it's probably if you if you do, for example, 10 times 1K and it goes a little bit up and down, you have to adapt to different terrains. So what is more like in real life? So this could also be an advantage. You always have to to see a little bit what do you really want? What is important for you now? And um, and this block, we uh, because it was a, 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 a hard block in terms of volume and intensity, it was good to have an Uh, to say, okay, if we are doing such an amount of work, we should try to keep it as controlled as possible. Mm, yeah. And uh, with the cycling, that's something that, I mean, you, you see different schools of thoughts on this, of course. And as you see in pro cycling, probably uh, all, everybody likes to ride outdoors, it seems. Whereas in triathlon, it's more common that you have people that uh, some of them do almost all of their training indoors. But, uh, but I, I think that this is, 
you, you do get comments from people that do a big block of indoor bike training and they feel like oh they just got so much stronger that's what what i've seen and heard anyway in in my coaching and is this something that you experienced or that lucy experienced that just that focus block with indoor cycling just made her stronger than she might have been able to get on Lancet order for example um i would say um if Lucy has to answer, I think it's the combination. I think it would not be good just to do the whole training only on the roller and to skip completely outside cycling. I think she needs, and that's also my perception of, of doing sports, uh, to have both being outside and being indoor. But um, like I said, if you want to do a lot amount of work, if you uh, if your day only have 24 hours and, it, and you are even also restricted, for example, with pool time, and so you really have to take care about your schedule. The most efficient way to do the, the, the cycling work is to work on the rollers. So you can stay all the time in the position if you want to. So in the aerodynamic position, if you want to do this, you can control your intensity. Every pedal stroke is barely a training pedal stroke because you cannot just, you have no free wheel. So you can use your time really, really effectively. And if you don't want to add the, the heat prep, I think that's, it's perfect then to do it indoor, but it doesn't help you anything because if you crack mentally during that time, you come to the race and you are just empty and you are really empty. So I think there you have to be careful. So if that's what I said, you cannot just copy paste now this and say, oh, Lucy Charles uh, Buckley, she did now that program just indoor. Now I have to do this with my athletes. Be careful because it costs you a lot of mental energy to do this. It's not like that she say, wow, that's fun. Well, that's cool. Um, I'm doing just indoor. Uh, no, for sure she likes more to go outside and ride her bike and see the nature and, and enjoy riding. But it, here it was a compromise where we can go for a certain amount of time. And, um, and, um, it's n and this, how long you can do this, it's really depending from person to person. I also had chat, for example, with Annie, Annie Hawk, uh, being on Lanzarote and, and asking her, and how was the five-day ride, uh, the five-hour ride? Uh, where did we ride? She said, yeah, I was indoor uh, because I, I would like to do the five hours indoor today. I felt like this and I said, oh, okay, good. <laughs> so then it's mentally probably not so hard at that moment, but you really have to take care about this. And um, also now uh, we have... We are lucky that 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 that, um, that the reward was the world championship title. Imagine something would happen. I don't know. You know, a crash on the bike or a mechanical or or that that that, um, that she would just just got fifth, sixth in that race. Imagine what this would have done with her mentally. Now she got the reward. Well, I put that hard work in and I was at the limit, but I got world champion. But it could also be not getting world champion and then to recover from this would take so much longer than it will take now. So it, it's really a balance. And that's why I'm not a fan to, to, especially in podcasts, to say, yeah, we did this hard work and indoor and this and that, um, because my fear is always that people try to copy that and they just break yeah. athletes uh, mentally. And that is not, not good. But I know experienced coaches will not do it, but... I think we also have coaches which, yeah, who start with triathlon and who start to work with people and they think, hey, if, if, if Dan or somebody else from these pro coaches is doing that, probably I should also do it with my amateur athletes. And there I want to make sure that everybody understands that they're always, you don't get performance for free. So you always pay for it somewhere. Some, and sometimes it's physically, sometimes it's mentally. And that is something you have to take into account. 
Yeah, absolutely. We we talked about this on last week's episode with the David Tilbury Davis actually was on. Uh, so ah, we okay, discussed yeah. the wi- winter training also for age groupers, and one of the things we talked about was that uh, if you if you don't like riding on the trainer, then there's no point in trying to force yourself to do long rides throughout the winter indoors. If you live in a climate like that, it's better to do plan your training differently so that it suits your what you, what makes you enjoy the sport and what makes you ultimately be able to be consistent without mentally paying for it too much as you say so i think that yeah we we should caveat all of this with this is just hearing about how one person trained before a specific race and uh, it's not applicable to to everybody uh, uh, or to probably to very few people actually it is applicable but uh, but it is nevertheless uh, extremely interesting to hear how how lucy did it and what worked for her um but just a couple more questions on that what can can you go into some more detail on the heat uh training strategies that you had so basically i would say uh the, the ideas what we had was in that period so she had not she haven't done a, she hadn't done a long distance race in that year so um it was so basically kona was the first long distance race and we knew that so um basically what we knew is okay we we have to work on on the economic on uh, that she gets economically so that her body is able to perform over the whole race period um energy wise um that's why also she has worked on on the nutrition so to see that the nutrition is is going in a good direction um that is something what she's doing uh, with her nutrition partner and um on her own together with we so there i'm just um small involved i'm involved in yeah in in writing into the sessions that she has to fuel well and the amount of uh, fuel she has to take but otherwise there with her sponsors she's really in good hands and i'm also in contact with them and we make some tests but so this is for, for sure really important to make her performing over the um, um the whole race that's why we work a lot of with kind of race intensities what i described before um what we also wanted to have is to to have that transfer so we know we knew that she was in a good shape on the bike but somehow during the races that year we didn't saw it 100 percent. so that's why we work really specifically on on um i would say ironman intensity a little bit over ironman intensity really to have the transfer so basically having the transfer being able in the situation we, we, so we didn't knew how the race would unfold so but in the situation where we should be where she'll be alone, that she can also hold um, the, her power uh, over the whole distance. That's why we work on the um, uh, economic. Before um, before that, we had we had work on the VO two. We had work on the um, um, on the shorter distance stuff. So we 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 knew that there was already a good base, but we're working really uh, and uh, to economize econo- to make an economization of her body that was basically our main focus that's why also quite a big volume and also in combination with the heat training that worked quite pretty well because for sure in that period it was not high intensity our main focus for sure not because if you combine high intensity heat indoor uh, and high volume i think and i don't think but i'm sure that this is just too much so that's why we um we were there um more conservative with intensities um for sure in the swim there for her it's always easier to perform at a, at a higher level and also to recover from that basically probably because of her past so if we wanted to do some higher intensity stuff it was more or less on in, in the swim but in all the other discipline we really keep intensity control uh, more around ironman pace or 
let's say 70 points repays. I think then the people or the listeners know a little bit what I'm talking about. And uh, that was, there was a main focus also working on some strength endurance during that period or some endurance strengths, let me call it like this. And um, with the goal to say, okay, look, if you are solo in the lead, uh, to bring you in a situation that you can consistently keep your Ironman power over all the time and, and then come the end, still being able to run a marathon because like we all know, she had a foot injury also that year and she has not so many one kilometers in the legs. So we could not say she will run a good marathon because she did a lot of mileage for sure not was just not possible, but to say, okay, look, if she can recover well from the, from a hard swim, I don't know, not recover well, but if she can um, compensate well, a hard swim and a hard bike, uh, she will come in a good state to the runner. And we knew with a good overall aerobic performance, you can also do a good marathon. It's different if you have to run a 10K race fast, for sure there. It's a different story. But running a marathon um, in Ironman, I think if you have a good aerobic fitness, you can also do it with a low mileage in the legs. Um, I, I saw this already with, with Annie. Annie Hawk, when she won uh, 2019, she also came there with not so many run kilometers. Um, but she had a really, really high aerobic fitness and a good economization of her body. So basically, unspecific work had also uh, for the specific work in the run then. And that's what, what we did with, with Lucy. For sure, we also simulated some long runs, but we had to be careful with these ones because you cannot, from coming from a low mileage, just build up running like this. That makes no sense. We didn't want to, to risk here uh, any kind of injury. So... Um, we try to do a lot of work in the swim and on the bike and building up running, running steadily without crazy yeah. intensities in the run. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just to come back to the, the heat training itself or the heat protocol. So you mentioned that you use some sauna and uh, hot baths, but, but also some active training on the bike and maybe on the run. Uh, you don't have to describe the exact protocol, but, but was this something that you did the entire block at home the six weeks or so that she was training for many most of most days of the week or was it more spread out how what did it look like at Mm. at an overview level Mm. i would say the heat training was basically there nearly uh uh, in every session what she did indoor for sure sometimes she 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 used the van but uh, often she was just doing the training like that so without uh, any um cooling and at that moment, everybody knows when you are in your, in your how they call it nowadays, pain cave. Uh, and um, you, if you start to exercise, you will get hot. And so you will sweat a lot. So basically, you have your heat training. And uh, I would say what we did more with a kind of periodization was what, what we did after the session. So what you said, going after the training into the sauna or doing hot buses. There we had a... Um, yeah, a protocol what, where we got some experience from the past or I got also some experience from the past and what we applied here. But for sure, that was not something what we did every day. And also there you have to be careful because you can also cook your athletes. So also there being careful with heat training because you can really cook yourself. And if you're doing this, it's basically the same what happens when you go to altitude and, and doing high-intensity training in altitude too, um, too early. It could be that you ruin your whole season. And we saw this also with athletes. So I really tell tell you this from experience. We saw this with some athletes who tried heat training and just overdid it. And basically they needed, yeah, I, I think 
three, four months to come back in normal state. So it's not, and that's why I'm so careful what I'm saying here. It's not that you should now all jumping in into heat training. It's, it's a step-by-step -step process, really controlled process about minutes, what you spend then probably in the sauna or with hot bathing or training what you are doing, like monitoring core temperature. So it's really a, a delicated process, but that's what we did. So basically nearly all the sessions were heat training more or less. And then the additional, additional load we added with a systematic plan over the six weeks. And um, I think also heat training is now a big in the press, but often when you're training in the South, when you are in Lanzarote, whatever, and you, when you're training even outside and you have 30, 35 degrees, or even at home, you're also doing heat training. So heat training is not so new. What is new is now that we know more about the, about the adaptation, about blood plasma, uh, blood plasma volume adaptation and so on. So that what we saw already in the past, that it seems that when athletes train well in the heat, and if they if you are not overdoing it, it always seemed that they got some boost from it. And probably we, we thought, oh, yeah, because they just had a good training camp. They were able to train a lot of good training because the weather was good and they feel great and they had a lot of sun and, and they came back and they were in shape. But nobody talked that probably the heat added something to this. It's the same with altitude, you know. Um, there's still the discussions going on for some guys or, or, or women going to altitude. Is it now the altitude or is it just these controlled conditions um, that you have a perfect training camp where you are really careful with your food, with with your load and with intensity control and so on. So how much of it is, is it finally altitude? So there are also these discussions. And I think it's the same with when you go to the south with warm weather and you do your training uh, and, and you come back and you did a huge amount of training block over three weeks. If you're doing everything right, for sure you will have um, a good fitness level. The, the question is always how much coming from the heat and how much is it just the training load itself. And for sure, the circumstances around good recovery, good food, um, mentally into, in the process, not being uh, distracted from, from some outside um, influences. Yeah. A final follow-up question on this, and then we'll move on. But when you say she, so she was training without cooling indoors, but she didn't put on extra layers and things like you see uh, see some people doing when they do heat training, but it was just normal training on the on the bike or on the treadmill, but without cooling. Yeah, that was something um, what what uh, what she did outside, so putting some extra layers. But basically, this felt so uncomfortable for her that. Also, this was a reason to prefer to say, okay, let's stay indoor. And there I have it automatically without putting now an, an, uh, an extra layer on. And um, like I said, in the, if you're doing this and if you have that cave where you're training and you have no, uh, no van, then it gets just, you don't need an extra layer. Um, but I know what you mean. Um, so what you describe is if you are doing an easy session uh, indoor, probably yeah. just easy yeah. uh, endurance, um, and you put then extra layers on to get the temperature or to keep the temperature high. This is a good thing, also what I did in the past, but this was here not necessary because we had so much training indoor. It would just have, it was not necessary to do these kind of sessions. Yep. Uh, so then another another topic moving on, uh, and uh, this is about uh, performing at uh, at an older age, let's say. So Anne Haug is ranked number one, and she had an amazing season. 
uh, with uh, yeah, so many great races, too many to count almost. And uh, and also you mentioned Jan uh, stopped his ended his career in September, but he still had some excellent performances uh, before that. So and these athletes are forty and forty three, I think. Uh, and uh, yeah, can you discuss what your thoughts are? in general around these athletes with performing at a, such a high level at uh, at these ages but also in general age in long distance triathlon is there such a thing as a peak age or uh, can you perform later than we maybe have thought in the past as long as you stay motivated and stay consistent with with training i can just just share experiences because i i don't know it at the moment it's also for me the first time that i have athletes in that age who are competing at this high level. So it's, like I said, really the first time. So also for me, an interesting experience to see what is possible. Uh, you mentioned Jana and also Annie to, to see the consistency, what they have. Um, uh, is there a peak age? I think it's hard. I think there is a peak somewhere for sure. Uh, and this peak is, is coming sooner or later, what is just normal biology. But I think, especially over these long distances in, in endurance sports, um you can do a lot to push that peak a little bit behind so to push that peak um over the 40s what we see now with uh, with Eddie um until a certain point where this point is i think it's individual and we cannot say it but for sure it is somewhere it probably also more will fade out it's not like one point and then jack it goes down i think it's more like a, a small fading uh if you would be on on shorter distances, probably it would be more like really like uh, like steps going down. But I think on longer distances, you are able to to compensate this. Um, and why is this possible? For sure, first of all, you need the athletes um, to to willing to to do that. So you need, if you look at any or Jan, they were not just athletes in training, but I would say athletes in life. So their whole life just yeah, went around that. What does not mean that any and, and Jan were similar because Jan having a family, having some business stuff going on. But but if he isn't in, in the in the mode, then basically it's training, eating, sleeping, taking for sure, taking also care about the family. That's what he has to do. But otherwise, it's training, eating, sleeping, recovery, and and that's it. And and that's also what Annie is doing and what she also enjoys to do. And I think that's the most important part. You can do this, but if you all, if you have to, if you wake up every day and if you feel off, I have to train again and I can't see my friends and I have to go again to training camp and I have to do again five, six hours of training and tomorrow again, I have to eat healthy food. And so if you, if you don't really like what you are doing, you cannot do it until, until that age. I think then your mental battery is just empty before. But with these athletes, what I experience uh, until now is that they really like what they do. They, they like to challenge their body, to challenge their own um, uh, performances, challenge uh, other competitors uh, and show them, hey, I'm still there and I can still perform. And uh, and always looking to get better, like like any uh, already two weeks after Kona writing me, hey, uh, coach, I, I need a training plan and I have already some ideas what I could do now. And to say, wow, okay, good. So never being uh, hungry. Uh, no, no, sorry. Always being hungry. Uh, let me say that that's the right, <laughs> right way. And um, that's something quite special. And um, that's why I think you need both. So you need the spe specific athlete and 
also, I think in this day, there's more knowledge how you can do this, how you can push the boundaries a little bit further. And um, that's why I think um, you can achieve still a lot, um, even if you are over 40. Not everybody, for sure. And with not everybody, I mean, for sure, you need m the mental um, aspect, the personality for it, and also for sure the physiology about to do it. But um, it's also for them, it's uh, they like what they're doing, but it's also hard it's also hard work you know it's um it's um if you're training five six hours um um a day for sure people say yeah but they, they, they're doing what they love but in that moment it's also a lot of work to to get world champion or to keep that consistency what Annie is doing and um as long as uh, as as she gets most out of it then she has to put in energy energy wise i think as long as this is the case then it works And if this balance go to the other direction, so if it if it takes you more energy than what you get, I think then it's the point to stop. And there, I think it's with athlete with every athlete the same to come to that point and then to feel, oh, I think that was it, and um, it's time for something different. Yeah, uh, have there be, been any tweaks or changes that uh, Annie or Jan have had to make? from let's say early to mid 30s uh, into the early 40s to just help them stay healthy some small changes that they have had to make to to let's say compensate for the older age mm -hmm. um at the beginning i always uh, especially with one i try to make these changes i try to adapt a little bit the training volume intensity just because you have in your head you yeah, probably they need longer recoveries and um so you have to be more careful, but for sure the athletes know when you are doing this or they feel it. And um, then they also talk to you and say, hey, uh, hey, last year I did more in that block and is this normal or what do you think or why are we doing less? So they're just asking questions. And uh, I can remember with Jan, I really had a more deeper discussion about it. And um, the end of that discussion was basically that Jan said, look, uh, I want to have the program at least to be able to be the world champion again. I want to have that program. If my body is not able to do it, if I'm not able to do it, it's another story. But at least that is the point where we sh how we should go into that, the project. And the same for Annie. So the Annie, the same for Annie is also she told me she didn't tell me this because um, she completely trusts and she see, see there we also could quite keep the load uh, at a certain level um, because she was touching wood injury free heads at a good point so she had really a fantastic season in terms of how you could build up and um but also when she asked me uh, or when we talked she always said hey dan i really want to have the program to be to to be able to win the race and if it's if i don't come to the start line then it's how it is but don't um don't take too much consideration of my age or whatever you think or probably just that i make it to the start line no if i go to the start line i want to do all the work necessary to be able to compete for a win or to get the best out of me at least for the win it always depends on for sure on, on others but to get the best out of me and that is how how i see my role there and um, if i have some doubts i will tell it with the athletes but then we take a decision and then we go that direction so to answer your question, I think it's not that I adapt too much about it, but that the athlete has to take more and more care about their bodies. So any, for example, a lot of work is done with, she has two physiotherapists, one in Germany, one in, um, in Lanzarote, who take really well care of her. 
who give me feedback, who tell me, hey, look, she's ready to do this or we have to take, be careful. So for sure, the recovery process is more and more important, taking care about your body, taking care about nutrition, about your sleep and all this stuff. Everything what we know gets more and more important the older you get. I think you also feel this in normal life, even if you don't do high performance sport. If you get older, you have to take a little bit more care about yourself to recover in the same way. And I think that is the biggest difference at the moment at the long distance triathlon. It really comes also that performance goes a little bit down, but I have to be, I'm honest. And it's not just because I want to make, to tell something good about the athletes, but Jan and Annie showed some new personal best in their training, even this year. And so what was quite impressive for me. So it's not just, I could not say at the moment, yeah, they just try to hold it and now it's going to break completely. No, they had at, at certain aspects some new personal bets. And we saw it with Eddie having a now in the new run record in Kona. So um, even if people tell me, yeah, but probably it would be time that she stops now, I can say, yeah, if she takes a decision, it's her decision, but I cannot go to her and say, hey, Annie, stop now because um, you're not good enough anymore. It's, that's that's her decision when when she wants to do this and when she's ready to to retire yeah no i i mean her her results were absolutely amazing throughout the season i think and and i think one one result from jan that wasn't talked about that much but that i thought was very impressive was actually in ironman hamburg when he was fourth but i think it was correct me if i'm wrong but i think it was his fastest ironman marathon that he had ever done uh and it was just a very fast race and it was only enough for fourth place on the day but but it was a, a, a fast, a very fast overall time. Four-hour bike split, I think, and a two thirty-eight on the run. So, so yeah, that, that result was very impressive. And of course, the PTO US Open win from from him was also uh, extremely impressive. Um, but yeah, it makes sense when you say that they showed personal best in training because I think that the race results were uh, amazing in in and especially with Anne throughout the season. Mm. Yeah, and you like you said the. the, the uh, the density in the field so the quality of the athlete is just going up uh, dramatically in the last years and um, i think that's 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 just an evolution of our sport and um but still these athletes they are able to, to perform at their best uh, even if it's not always um enough to win like we saw it with jan at that race or with any now in in in, in uh, um uh, kona but still they are world-class athletes and they are still there and any one pto races jan won a PTO race, what was, I think also, <laughs> that was basically, I think his world championship this year was uh, quite nice to see that and to, to win against some of these young guns coming there. Um, yeah, you first of all have to deliver this. Uh, and, and he did it. And um, yeah, big respect for that. Um, yeah, like, like I said, I think if you manage your body in a good way and if you have the physiology to do it, you can still keep on going. Um, with higher ages for sure there is a limit but i could not tell you the number but i think there is just a period where it gets harder and harder to recover to recover from the training then you have to reduce the amount of training and then it comes to the point where it's just not enough um to be to be there especially with now the like i said with a lot of um new athletes coming into it and working with 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 good coaches working really professionally making all the stuff or not making all the mistakes for probably others that were, were, were doing because nobody knew it better so it will be interesting how triathlon keeps to evolve in the next in the next uh, years 
Yeah. Now on on that topic, uh, one thing that I want to ask about is about w- how you feel about combining uh, the distances from Ironman to the PTO 100 kilometer distance. Well, both Lucy and, and uh, Annie they have done that this season and done it really well at both. But do you think that this is going forward? This is also going to be possible to potentially be world champion and uh, PTO champion or win PTO uh, tour races or will athletes choose to specialize and it will become almost impossible to to be the best at both um, I think this depends isn't oh let me say this it's not all in the hand of the athletes it's also in the hand of the organizer uh, organizations because just how you put the dates can already have a big influence. So how you put the dates of these competitions or do you have to start at all these competitions? Um, you know, so how will be the, what will be the future of triathlon? Which kind of competitions will be there? I think from the distance itself, it's not really a problem. So you can be competitive on the 70.3 or let me say on the PTO races and you can be competitive at world class level in the Ironman. Um, and there's now the question is what are the Olympic distance athletes doing? Because also for them, the PTO races are quite interesting. And um, so basically, that could be the distance where long and short course athletes meeting and try to figure out who is the best triathlete out there. So that could be some kind of compromise distance because from the physiology, both categories could, can perform really well on that, uh, on that distance. So that's why I can't say you how the future will look like because if you are able then to combine long distance world championship and uh, pto races it depends on the calendar it really depends on how much time you need to recover to prepare because it, it needs for sure a, a different preparation to do than an ironman like i described with uh, lucy for sure we needed that uh, that that block before kona to be ready for a long distance uh, if you haven't done a long distance before and then comes now you, if you need a qualification or a verification race to go there so it's at the moment, there's so much stuff going on. It's really hard to tell in which direction it will go. And I was really enthusiastic about all it uh, because it's good for triathlon. But and now I get more and more concerned about if this environment, or no, let me say like this, if the spectators still understand what is going on in triathlon and who is there now the world champion in what and which discipline, I think it, it could get a little bit confused. I hopefully they find an, a solution in the next years. Uh, how we can make the sport more clear also for spectators, for the fans out there. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that for everybody, for spectators and for athletes, now the not having clarity at this point about what next year's racing schedule looks like is, well, more so for the athletes, I should say, but the scheduling also is something that needs to be sorted earlier and be clear earlier. And that's something that Ironman has always done a, done a good job with, that everything is clear from a relatively early in the uh, the year before uh, so we know when the races are and and what what really matters but uh, yeah let's see how that how that works out if we talk about age group triathlon a little bit like hypothetically uh, if you take somebody who wants to do well really well at both 713 at the 713 world championships and uh, kona and if we take the dates from this year, which was the end of August, the 713 World Championships, and uh, and Kona was uh, the 10th of October, I believe, or something like that. Uh, how would you how how would you advise an age grouper to approach that kind of combination of uh, middle distance triathlon and long and full distance triathlon? 
Yeah, I, I would say I would really take um, take my time uh, with the preparation. So basically, I would say be, be between the last seventy or PTO seventy point three, whatever, and uh, and the long distance, you should have around, in my opinion, around eight weeks where you can plan a specific block. For sure, you should already prepare a little bit before. So if you're building up your endurance, making some long runs and whatever. But um, I think at least you should then have, if you are an, um, an, a, a little bit more experienced um, age group athlete, you should have eight, eight weeks between the long distance and the 70.3 to prepare it in a good way and in a safe way. Um, that would be my suggestion. Because you need tapering, you need recovery from this, you need recovery from one competition, you need the tapering for the other one. And then we are, uh, we are already probably, we have already six weeks left. And then in the six weeks, it's also good to have another recovery week somewhere. And then you have five weeks left, so basically five weeks to make a specific preparation. Um, if you had already done some work uh, um, during the year, I think this could be enough to be ready then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about? We might see a situation where there is a PTO race, I don't know, four weeks, three weeks, four weeks before the Ironman World Championship. And uh, do you think that that's something that athletes will do or can do, even if it means that they sacrifice a bit, let's say, the PTO race by not tapering for it, but they, they do their Ironman training, they take a two-day taper and they go and do the race and then they continue their Ironman training. Is that possible, that kind of scheduling, or would it be very hard to then be uh, to get all, do all the work that you need to do for the Ironman World Championships? No, um, you said it completely right. In the way how you describe it, that could for sure work. Um, the problem is always how deep you have to go. So um, it's not just the preparation, but it's the race itself. But if you are doing a PDR race full, so full, I mean, uh, you have a, a hard swim, you have a hard bike, and you have nearly an all-out run um, somewhere. If you have to go to these limits, it will take you some time to recover. And then it gets hard to have the, in my opinion, to have a perfect preparation for uh, for Kona or for whatever long distance race it is uh, in that short amount of time. If you just go there, and uh, I think this could probably happen to say, okay, look, I am looking at the overall uh, ranking. And um, to be in that ranking, I'm also fine with place five or six. At least I get some money. I am in the overall ranking. I can save my spot, whatever. That could work, yes. Uh, also for age group athletes, this could if you have if you don't have to go all all in in that race, that could work. Yep. Just a few other questions. The first one is: as you work in both cycling and triathlon, uh, do you have any examples of things that you think that triathletes could learn from cyclists, and vice versa, things that cyclists could learn from triathletes? So, uh, what could um cyclists learn from triathletes i think there's quite a lot to um to look at um especially how much work you can do um as a triathlete also um and there we have to be really careful so we have um cyclists who yeah who are also like i describe it for anywhere their cycling is their life and they do this from the beginning of the end of the day um for sure you have these kind of athletes but um you also have a, a bigger majority who um who haven't who see the life as an athlete a little bit different than probably triathletes see it. Um, this also is uh, linked to the situation because if you are a cyclist, you are, and if you are a good cyclist, you are on a team, 
you get paid monthly, um, no matter if you perform or not. Um, for sure, this would not be now an excuse, but you have you you have a your monthly income. You have a team who takes care about a lot, not about everything, but about a lot. You have probably your coach, physiotherapist, and so on. And at Wireleads, they have to organize this everything by their self with a low amount of money. And um, that's why sometimes they take more responsibility for their career, like than compared to cyclists. And I think this is something uh, what, what would be good if some cyclists understand this, that they take more responsibility for their career and that they are not waiting that somebody brings something to them, not waiting for a team, uh, a coach, a manager, whatever, but just taking responsibility for their career. Look, how can I be the best? How can, no, how can I get the best out of myself? Not being the best, because not everybody can, can win the Tour de France. It's not possible. But how can I get the best out of myself? So that is something what um, what they could learn from from the triathletes. And uh, the other way around, and that sounds now strange because it's exactly the opposite. Sometimes for triathletes, it would be interesting to see how cycling also can um, just enjoy to ride a bike and ride, just enjoy to go do the descents and sometimes enjoying a little bit more um, the life. So to find there the right balance, you know, that's that's something because often I see some extremes in both ways and it would be good if both could learn from each other because there's a lot of respect from triathletes for cyclists and the other way around. So um, in my head, would be also interesting to get them together through a training camp and um, I think they could benefit from each other, from the personalities, just understand what made a high-performance uh, triathlete and what made a high-performance cyclist and um, benefit from each other because you have and that's for sure different mentalities they have different personalities and um, like you said before for for cyclists doing uh, going on the rollers that is something they make a big sacrifice there to do that not there are some exceptions with the young guys who who sees that also in youtube videos and so on but in general it's all doing two sessions a day for sure some are doing this but it's something special you know it's something really special to do this and if I'm doing this, I, 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 I'm 100% committed to it. And for a trial, it's just normal. Do, even doing three sessions a day, it's even not the question if I should do this or not. It's just just normal. And and this this kind of thing, to discuss this and to see how the life of the others, to, to push the boundaries, to push your own boundaries just by seeing what others are doing, this could help both sides of them. Uh, and, yeah, so I, I think that would be good to... Um, to learn from each other and it's just different there's not a better world or uh, than the other but just a different world yeah that's really interesting definitely would be cool to see a training camp with both triathletes and and cyclists uh on there and, and see what, what that would look like um and uh next uh, the next question is what advice would you give to young triathletes trying to make it to the professional level uh to a high professional level in long distance triathlon Mm, I think a good advice is not getting too crazy about, so not comparing yourself too much with others. So not thinking like, oh, that guy is now 22, 23 years old and he is already at that level, but more respect your own development. And probably for to do this, also having good people around you who help you with this, who give you advices, a coach, um, mentor, whatever, who can basically support you in the build-up. I think it's that's important. In our days, sometimes... You can get too crazy about social media by seeing what people are doing in training, uh, in racing. And it's good to have people around you who have the experience and who can just keep you calm and say, hey, look, 
your time will come. It's not that you have to do now uh, 35 hours every week like this and this guy is doing. Step by step. That's my my advice if you want to get professional to to have a good environment and and, and an environment that really wants your best and um, that knows how to develop you or help to develop you because you have to develop yourself, but who knows how to develop you. Yeah. And uh, can you give an example of uh, a training or performance-related question that you have been thinking about recently, trying to understand better or optimize in some way? I think the main question, and and, uh, it's already over years, is, um, and I think every coach has this, what, how much training or how much, let me call it more load, is really necessary to achieve what we try to achieve. So how can we get to the point to really say, hey, look, it's good to do 31 hours and not 33 or 32 or, or to probably 25 or whatever. So to to find there the, the key to say, okay, um, how much load does it really take to, to be a world champion? And um, yeah, so this is something what always is in mind to learn about this and to see how we can get there, which kind of metrics is. And I think it's a really hard question. Probably it's also good that we can't answer it because if it, then it gets easier probably and everybody has tried to achieve that number. Um, but for sure, you you don't want to harm really the health of your athletes. It's not that I'm happy uh, with writing training plans uh, as much hours as possible. But on the other side, you also have the, yeah, they they basically hire you to get the best out of them. And so to find here a good balance and um, to get having tools who helps you to to find a good balance. Mm. Uh, what would you say, like for if we go back to Lucy as an example uh, with her training block for Kona, doing around 30 hours per week, is, are there certain things that you look for? Is it mostly just the conversations uh, or are there other things that you use to see that, okay, now we're getting to the point where maybe it's a bit too much and we need to like just scale it down a little bit remove a couple of uh, a couple of hours or make the next day an easy day are, are there are there things that you're looking for that can help you with that to be honest the most important things are really feedback from human beings so feedback from lucy feedback from in this case from reese uh who is there feedback from the physiotherapists how they feel how they behave uh, how she's looking um, for sure also how training is executed so are you able to do the training or not? How are you doing it? How do we recover? What is the heart rate doing? Um, how is the sleep? So all this kind of factor, how is the body weight evolving? So try to bring uh, some a lot of parameters together with other athletes. Probably you have HRV, you have rest heart rate. How is this developing? But it's more an, an accumulation of several factors. And still the most important factors for me are is human feedback. And um, like I said, from the athlete herself or and also from the people in the environment. And um, that's also important that everybody understands it's uh, it's a teamwork. It's never one person who made that happen. For sure, the person who made it happen is the athlete, but all the people around, it's, they are part of a team. And everybody has a really important role there and just giving objective feedback. And now comes a really important point without already giving an answer to it. Because what I don't like is like, ah, she, she looks tired. She should not do this and this. This is something what I don't like in a team. Uh, what I want to have as information is she looks tired. Uh, her run doesn't look so smooth. So first of all, we, we collect information. 
and then we take a decision. But not taking already uh, everybody taking his own decision in the team uh, and confusing the athlete. I think this is something what should not happen because then a team can also be a negative thing if you have too much people talking into the process. That is not a good environment. So everybody should give his opinion, what he sees objectively and then, or subjectively, because if you tell it on your own, it's your subject feelings and then taking a decision what to, how to go on. Yep. And uh, one more follow-up on, on this same topic. If you look back five years, ten years, at how you approached coaching then, do you think that over time that you now think that it's possible to do a bit more than you used to think and still improve still not reach the point where it's too much or or has it trended the other way that you used to think that it was possible to do more but now you have found a like slightly smaller uh sweet spot of uh, of load uh, is, has there been, been any train trend there um no i would say um there are not so much changes it's really individual what you can do you know it's um you always have to see what did you before what have you done before what is the body capable of of which how many load can the body support uh, learning from the past um for sure also try out uh, how far can you go um but i think when one when for example Jan won the first time um Kona, it's not that he did less or more than uh than now uh, with somebody winning corner so that that i would say no and there i i don't think that there's some new knowledge that you should more or less so because already in the past people train a lot uh, when you look at uh, when you talk uh, for example to uh, to the, um, to the germans like thomas hellriegel and so on i think they can tell you they did 40 hours and whatever so i think um that's something what there there is no big evolution it's more like we can now measure control uh, evaluate probably better we better know what is going on in the body but uh, i would not say that i discover now new limits or uh, new boundaries it's more like looking individually how far you can go and how you can make a performance progressing yeah perfect um yeah that's i think everything do you have anything else that you want to to chat about any other any any final points uh to follow up on or um yeah is how shall we call it a day for this interview i think um we covered pretty uh put in some topics already and for me it's fine um i'm i, I know that the listeners probably always want to have more and more details about stuff um, but i hope i could explain why sometimes it's not so easy to give really details, um, not because I don't want to, but because it's individual and it's also not a copy-paste um, um, thing, what you should do, especially when we go into topics like e-training, like doing big big blocks of training. Um, so hopefully the listeners get what they want to have and I'm, I'm happy to share. Uh, so that's why I'm happy to to be in uh, in this kind of podcast, especially with you, with, with all these nice questions. So um, yeah, no, other things... I'd, I don't have it at the moment, so I'm fine. Thank you. Well, then I look forward to catching up another time, uh, maybe after another Ironman World Championship victory. So thank you so much, Dan. Uh, have a good uh, rest of the year and uh, catch up later. Yeah, thank you very much, Michael. You too. 
I hope that you enjoyed that interview. As always, you can find the show notes for this episode on scientifictriathlon.com. And uh, as I mentioned before, do check out episode 175, which uh, was my previous interview with Dan, where we go into a lot of really interesting uh, general training and performance-related topics. Uh, Also, a bit of uh, housekeeping for those that might be interested still. We have now sold out all of our initially allotted rooms for our April 2024 Mallorca training camp. However, we might still receive the odd additional room from the hotel as they have cancellations. Plus, we might still have cancellations of our own for the camp. So there could be slots that uh, get freed up in the next few months. That means that if you're still interested, then get in touch and put yourself on the waiting list. And if you get in on it early, then chances are still quite big that you you can get a slot in the end. And if nothing else, uh, this can also allow you to get a chance to register early next year when we announce our camp or camps for 2025 Uh, by that i don't mean that we will register that we will announce the camps early 2025 i mean that you can get you you can get early information usually we announce our camps in around august for next year that's what uh, we did this year i believe so so around that time frame and you might get uh, a few uh, extra days or you might get information in uh, a few days early if you are on that waiting list or if you're a past participant of the training camps Finally, big thanks to our sponsors, Precision Fuel and Hydration, that you can find on precisionfuelandhydration.com. If you're looking for electrolytes and fueling products, I would highly recommend trying them out. Uh, Check out their Black Friday promotion between Thursday the 23rd of November and uh, Monday the 27th of November, and uh, you can get a 20% site-wide discount, which is automatically applied, no codes required, uh, and you can get a free gift uh, when you exceed a certain spending limit. And thank you to Senate. Use the Senate swim training to improve your technique, power, and swim training consistency. Even if you have just 15 minutes at home available, you can get a time-efficient Senate workout done at home that will help you swim better and stronger. You can try the Senate Twitch screen for up to 30 days and get 20% off your first order on senatesimpure.com forward slash TTS. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving craft love.